When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You went online to switch your car insurance to Progressive so you could save money. But then you saw a friend request from an old summer camp buddy. And now here you are clicking through photos of his kickball team from 2011. Looks like they won the championship that year. Then he moved to Tulsa. Oh, a new tattoo. Yes, they said it was easy to save hundreds on car insurance with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National Average Savings by New Customer Surveyed Who Saved in 2019. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill Family-owned and operated since 1933, Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. Let's drop the miserable puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into an apparently miserable edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, the fantastic, the wonderful... The ever well spoken Jay Zawoski. Jay, not n- not the best of uh, weekends for the Blackhawks. You had the highs of the wonderful comeback against Scott Darling and the Carolina Hurricanes, and then the lows. Oh, the lows of blowing a four to one lead against the New Jersey Devils and losing seven to five. What is this? Our hockey existence now? Is this just going to be? A recurring theme every week that we hit like a high point during a week and then the low point right before we record this thing. I don't know, but I'm thinking there's going to be more low points and high points the way things are going right now. Um, you know, I kind of pride myself on not knee jerk reacting to small sample sizes, right? We kind of, I think you and I are both pretty good at that. We, we look at the big picture. We don't freak out when they lose two in a row. We don't get too high when they went two in a row. But, uh, Man, this one, this doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. Uh, I know you've got Patrick Kane in a scoring slump and Jonathan Taze in a scoring slump, and you think with guys like that they'd break out of them eventually for sure. But, man, there's a lot of problems here, and some of the things I'm seeing are problems I haven't seen before. 
And uh, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I know this is going to come up, but we might as well get to it right away. I think for the first time that Joel Quenville's job is actually in jeopardy. I truly believe that. I do think if this continues until the end of the month or whatever, I do think they would consider making a coaching change. You have any uh, sourcing that would indicate no. that, or is that just your uh, mentality? No, that is my mentality. It's not from a source or anything like that. Um, so don't, you know, I'm not reporting anything here. I'm just saying that it just sort of feels like Joel may have lost a team. Um, and I think I referenced this this summer where I said in, in the Tom Verducci book, The Cubs Way, Theo Epstein says there's sort of a 10-year shelf life on baseball managers and general managers and, and things like that in sports. 10 years is a long time. That's right where we are with Joel Quenville. Uh, he's already gone to the nuclear option of Patrick Sharp. Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane that didn't work uh, it seems like every button he pushes is is uh is misfiring and and nothing seems to be working and we're seeing a level of disinterest from important Blackhawks and to me that's a really really bad sign before we get to uh, my opinions on what you're talking about here with the potential for a mid-season coaching change I do want to point out there is one button he has not pushed and steadfastly refuses to push, and one that Mark Lazarus brought up on Sports Sunday last night and talked to me a little bit about like before and after the taping of the show, and that is the Nick Schmaltz, Alex DeBrincat, Patrick Kane button. He has not pushed it. I am beyond incredulous at this point that he won't try it. Like, Is it a size thing? Is it a not having any defensive like presence on that line thing? I would think that with the way the Blackhawks have struggled to score, which obviously this weekend they scored nine goals, you have to give them a little bit of credit for putting the puck in the net this week. It's the one thing he really hasn't tried, and it's like kind of mind-boggling to me that that's like the one thing you don't do. Like, Sharp, Taves, and Kane, that's not, to me, that's not the nuclear option anymore. I mean, it can't be with the way that Patrick Sharp has kind of fallen off a cliff and the way that Jonathan Taves has struggled offensively the last two years and with the lack of interest that Patrick Kane has shown often this season. I mean, that cannot be your nuclear option. That cannot be your break glass in case of emergency line. And if that's really the best Joel Quenville has, then maybe you're right. Maybe they do need to make a midseason coaching change because that, frankly, isn't the best option that you have. And the one that really does seem to be the best option has not been deployed yet by Joel Quenville. Well, and it's frustrating as to why. I don't really understand why it has not. We've been sort of clamoring for it since the season began. It just makes a lot of sense when you look at the pieces that would go on to that line. It makes perfect sense to play those guys together. Their game is very complementary. Um, I, I want to see it. I know you want to see it. We wanted to see it for a while. We wanted to see it when things were going well. Uh, and of course, now we want to see it when things are going poorly. I don't know, man. It just feels a little bit different to me this time. It just doesn't feel like a slump. It feels like a bigger problem. And I want to get to Patrick Sharp a little bit here. And I know leading up to it, I didn't want it to happen. And then it happened and I was like, all right, it's the league minimum. Maybe you can get something out of this guy. Here's the thing I didn't consider with Patrick Sharp rejoining the Blackhawks. Now we have the situation where it's not working out clearly. Is Joel Quenville going to have the nuts to scratch Patrick Sharp for an extended period of time? 
he sure was acting like it when he was uh, splitting time with him and John Hayden in practice. And then instead of doing what I thought he was going to do yesterday and scratch Patrick Sharp, instead he went with 11 forwards, played Sharp, and scratched Ryan Hartman, of all players. It was like, no, Joel, no. If you're going to do this, if you're going to say... Hayden and Sharp are mixing and matching in and out of the lineup in practice. You have, have to have the stones to say, you know what, Sharp? Sit for a game. You just, you don't have it right now. He doesn't. In fairness, it would be unfair for me to not point out that he did have a, a one of his better games of the season last night. He had several shots and goals, some scoring chances. There were a couple shifts where he looked very, not dangerous, but where he looked good, where he looked <laughs> adequate. Um Again, though it's it's one game, it's one you know snapshot of a of a of one game. I just I don't know if long term Q's going to have it in himself to bench a guy that's won uh, three Stanley Cups here. That's you know he's beloved by the fan base. Blah 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 blah. All these things that should not matter yeah. in the course of trying to win a hockey game and win a hockey season. I just wonder if he's going to have the gonads to take Patrick Sharp out for a long time, maybe a game or two, and then he can spin it and say, ah, oh, you know. He's up there in age. He's coming off an injury. We want to rest him when we can. I, I think it's time to look at a real, uh, a real consideration to bench him for an extended period of time. And you can't tell me that Vinny Henestrosa right now is not a better option than Patrick Sharp. I don't accept that. I just don't. I, yeah. I think that uh, the things that made Patrick Sharp great were his speed. You know, the, that was sort of what was his advantage over a lot of guys. He doesn't have that anymore. And when that leaves. You're just sort of an ordinary player, and I'd sort of argue that right now Patrick Sharp is below ordinary. Yeah, and I brought up the idea of calling up Vincent Henestrosa last night when I was talking to some of the sports guys at NBC, and they were like, well, who do you send down? Joel has said that he doesn't feel like anybody is disappointing them right now, and I was like, well, A, if he's not disappointed with the effort of at least some of those players, he's a moron, so I don't believe that for a second. Joel Quenville for his faults is not a stupid man and b i got a real easy solution for you send jordan Esterly down he's gonna clear waivers i don't get this notion that oh if we send him down we're worried we're worried he won't clear wait he'll clear no one claims anybody on waivers in the nhl it's a ridiculous system no one abuses it or uses it so well, send if he him gets to, claimed, correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. Who the hell he, cares? But if he does get claimed, can't they just re- redact it and say, okay, never mind? I, I don't believe that in hockey you can maybe, revoke yeah, Maybe waivers. I'm thinking of baseball, I think. You, you are thinking of baseball. You can revoke waivers in baseball if you want to. But well, here's what, one thing, Even if they too, do, who the hell cares? But you I have think seven Osterley, defensemen already. When Osterley was on the ice last night, some good things were happening offensively. Yeah, and bad things were happening defensively. <laughs> well, you got to flip a coin. What I, do you want? <laughs> I, I want. I personally don't give a crap whether the guy who's probably played a whole grand total of five games gets claimed on waivers. Like, no, pardon, I know. Me, for, I know. pardon me for not caring. It's like, I, even if they lose him, oh, no, we're going to put some plug like Victor Spedberg or Eric Gustafson in as the eighth defenseman if they want to go back to that and it just it seems stupid to me to carry eight defensemen on a team where you probably have three capable blue liners i feel like it's complete waste of time i feel like you'd be a a lot better off injecting this team with an element of speed in the forward group and guess who could do that 
Vincent Hinnestroza, who's averaging a point a game in Rockford. Is there anybody on the roster right now that's averaging a point a game? I don't, I don't think there is. You need that element to this team. You need to inject some offensive ability into this team. Because if you're frankly going to give up the number of goals that they're going to give up, and spoiler alert, this is going to be more common than it, you would think it would be. They're going to allow a ton of goals. They need to score a ton of goals. And guess who gives you a chance to do that? Vincent Hinestroza, not Jordan Esterly. Make it happen, Stan. That's what he needs to do right now. Well, I, I don't want to pretend like, and I, I think we, I think we're both as saying this. Vinny Hinnestros is not the answer here. He's not the no, guy that's going to no, come in and save no, the Hawks no, no, bacon no, no, no. by any means. No. But he can come in and add an element they're lacking, which is speed. Uh, he's got a high compete level. He always has. Uh, what's always been a concern with Vinny has been his finishing. He's not been able to just, when he gets a chance, it's not going in the net. Historically, that's how he started his career whenever he moves up a level. I believe uh, we call him Beavis for a yeah. reason he can't score. And, and eventually... That offense works its way out, and he finds a way to score on each level he's been promoted to. Of course, the NHL is different from the AHL, et cetera, et cetera, but he's a historically slow starter, so I think it's time. It's time to give someone else a look, and if you want to wave Osterly, fine. If you want to send down somebody else, cool. I just, you know, I, John Hayden, can he go down? Is he get in waiver trouble if he goes down? I don't believe I, so. I, I think it's just time to take a different look, and I, I like Hayden. I do. I just when you're looking at guys that you want to maybe move back and forth, that's probably one of the first ones that comes to mind. All right, we're all over the map here. We've got a lot on our minds. We're going to get to everything. We're going to get to your emails, but let's take our first time out of the day. But before we do, want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. They're the best place to go in the area if you want an NHL jersey and you want it lettered in the authentic way to make it looks like it look look like it likes on oh my god to make it look like it looks on the united center ice well we're not it. getting paid this month no <laughs> uh nailed that one um it's gonna look professional it's not gonna look like one of those 25 dollar ones your uncle bought at a bar hey look at this authentic hawks jersey I no it's not authentic it's from china shut up you're an idiot this is the real deal triple threat but aside from that if you have a team, you got a baseball team, softball team, football team, you know, anything, beer and pizza, hockey league, they can make your jerseys for that too. Anything you need. So go to triplethreatsports.com, email, uh, give Chris a call, 708-478-6090, or email him at chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into what's already been a jam-packed Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've kind of been all over the map, just a lot of stuff right now to kind of digest and think about with this team. It's just been, it's been a crazy roller coaster of a ride already this season, and we're not even 20 games in. But before we we continue talking big picture, before we go back into Joe Quinville's job status and what the construction of this roster is like, I think it probably would be a good idea to get some positivity going here, Jay. And there is one place that that can start, and that's with Alex DeBrinkit and Nick Schmaltz, who the last two games when they've been paired up have looked absolutely spectacular. I agree, and I saw a lot of people calling for DeBrinkit to be sent down. We have a couple emails saying the same thing. This is before uh, the two games, the three goals in two games. Look, he's doing everything right he's a strong four checker uh he's wise defensively he knows where to be what to do 
uh, the efforts there. Um, the puck just hasn't been going in the net for him. The chances have been that he's hit a lot of posts, shot the puck just wide several times. It's good to see him get rewarded for all the hard work he's done. I don't think he's done anything to justify being sent down. So scratch that right now. Hopefully these three goals in the last two games will shut that talk up because to me that's ridiculous. If you think he needs to be sent down, you're not watching the game. You're not yeah. seeing the game the right way. You're looking at a stat sheet and that's it. Uh, DeBrinkett's been very, very effective at both ends of the ice. Glad he's getting rewarded. And Nick Schmaltz, you're right. The last two nights has been the Nick Schmaltz he was for the first two games of the year. He sort of slipped off in a time in between there and was kind of invisible. But it seems like the last couple of games, he's really gotten it back, gotten his groove back together, playing fast, playing confident. And really, him and DeBrinkett are the only two players on the roster playing that way. Yeah. And there is there is something that needs to be said about Nick Schmaltz and kind of why he's been uh... – kind of doing the things that he's been doing it's because he hasn't had to play center the last two games like he's played some center but he obviously hasn't uh been there full time he's been playing some wing too and I think that it's kind of a big deal that he's been able to kind of play multiple positions and Joel's kind of moving him around the ice I know that's something that he has probably wanted to do because he's not you know your standard traditional center but at the same time Getting him onto the line with DeBrincat, I think, has been the bigger key rather than just positioning because it's given him a little bit more space to operate, and you've seen a lot more of the assertiveness that we have been calling for from Nick Schmaltz because our big complaint about him last year was that there were times when he would give up shots and he would try to make these spectacular passes and they wouldn't work. He's gone back to the assertiveness more often these last few games, and I think you've seen the results have spoken for themselves. And as for DeBrenkit, I think the only legitimate reason that there could have been to send him down was if Joel Quenville wasn't going to utilize him properly. If you're going to put him with Lance Boma and Tommy Wingles, you might as well send him down because that's not what you need him to do. That's not the type of player that you need him to be. Now, if you're going to put him with Nick Schmaltz, if you're going to put him with Patrick Kane, if you're going to put him with Brandon Saad, now we're cooking with gas. Now he's where he needs to be. And the results have spoken for themselves the last two games. I believe in the last week he's had three goals. He's had 11 shots on net. He's been very aggressive on both ends of the ice. Hasn't let his defense lapse at all. I've been really impressed with the way he's back-checked and gone after the puck and forced turnovers. I feel like that's been something that Joel has noticed about him too. And I just, I honestly think that we're seeing now what DeBrinkett is capable of doing. He's capable of being a difference maker on the ice. And I think Joel putting him in these positions to succeed has finally kind of unlocked that a little bit. And I really wish the rest of the team would kind of follow his lead because damn, has he been fun to watch the last few games. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, like you said, Schmaltz has been having uh, some success playing the wing. We know he can do that. We know he can play wing. We know he can be effective when playing at the wing. I still think it's important to try to develop him as a center. And I know there's going to be growing pains. And I know he's sort of disappeared over the last, you know, five to seven games before the last couple. But I think you need him to be a center. I, th I, I really do. I, I like what Anisimov's done lately. So I'm not, it's not a knock on him. I just think this team is so much better when you're one, two, three is Tave Schmaltz and Anisimov. Now I know he wasn't winning faceoffs. And I know he was sort of struggling to keep his numbers up offensively and there were times where he flat out disappeared but like we said last week this season should be based on the roster based how they're playing right now they this should be a developmental year 
and maybe you have to learn, live with some slumps in his game uh, for Nick Schmaltz if he's going to play center. Maybe you play him here on the wing for a couple to get his confidence back up, but I want to see him back at center after two, three more games at wing or whatever because um, I think that that's where his future is. If the Hawks are going to max out what he's going to be, I want to see him play center. I want to see him be an everyday second-line center, winning face-offs, playing on both ends of the ice. I get what they're doing now. He's in a slump. You want to get the confidence back up, but I don't want to see him. I don't want to see the Hawks just give up on a Nick Schmaltz experiment at center. At I'm not ready to give up on that dream yet. Yeah, and that's definitely not something you're going to be able to do if you're going to be regularly rolling only 11 forwards, man. You're not going to be able to kind of keep moving him around the ice. You're going to need him to play center if that's going to be your ultimate plan with him. But I do agree with you. I think that in order to maximize kind of what this team is able to do, he needs to primarily play center because if they don't, they just do not have the depth necessary to really put together a solid 12 forward group. And to be completely honest with you, like I have liked kind of the flexibility that he's shown the last few games, but I do ultimately agree with you that he needs to be in the middle. Yeah. I, I, I like him there. I, I think we've seen him recently be effective there. Right, the first couple of games of the year, he didn't look out of place. Sure, he was winning maybe forty percent of his faceoffs or something like that, <laughs> but he was effective. He showed that he could do it against good teams too. So I think it's there. I do think it's there. Um, so again, I don't want to lose sight of. I don't want the Hawks to panic and say, "Okay, well, we have to try to maximize wins as much as we can right now." Hopefully, they understand that this is about development, and that sort of brings me back to our, our conversation about Joel Quenville. Um, do they see him as a developmental coach? Because let's face it, that's where the team is right now. You've got your core players. They're going to be there for a long time, basically because they have to be. Uh, yep. But it's time to start developing. And I was talking to one of my buddies about this uh, the other day, someone who works in the industry, and he was saying that there's it's not, you know, uh, Jeremy Colladin, the Rockford Icehawks head coach, was brought in here for a reason. It's not just a name they fill the job with. It's a guy that the Blackhawks have uh, coaching aspirations for, and they know Joel Quenville is not going to coach forever. So that might be a guy to keep an eye on. He's a young, up-and-coming head coach. Uh, He's done a good job in Rockford so far this year, Uh, and that is a guy who, if the Hawks do make a move, you might ask yourself, like I did last week, well, who are they going to bring in? It might be right under your nose in Rockford. Uh, And I know it's not a fancy name. I know it's not a name that's going to excite the fan base very much but there's a reason he's in the organization there's a reason he's here and uh, from what i've been told it is to coach the blackhawks sooner or later and uh, maybe it could be sooner i don't know dun 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 yeah i but when the question comes up on what they're going to do with joel quenville the first thing i defaulted to was who do you replace him with because i feel like if you replace him in season to me that's indicative of the fact that you think that you're improving your team's fortunes for the right now by replacing him and there's no surefire guy that's available to replace him this isn't like when they fired dennis savard they knew they had joel quenville waiting in the wings like how dare you turn your back on savvy that's they knew that's what they had and they made the move because they knew exactly what they were doing i think in this scenario that could be your move at some point is to replace Joel with that coach. But at the same time, I feel like if you're looking at it as we need to win right now, 
we're firing Joel because we need to turn this thing in a different direction, then I think there are two options that come to me immediately. One is just to promote Kevin Deneen to head coach. He has head coaching experience. He's worked with these players. He knows these players. He's had some success in the NHL. I feel like you could probably see him just get bumped up. Or, and this is a big or because this is a bit of a systemic change, but at the same time, Joel Quenville has kind of always been the guy who wants you to play defense and he preaches that type of gritty hockey. You think they would give Dave Tippett a call? Hmm. Interesting. I think if they make a change midseason, I think Deneen is probably the guy. Or Samuelson. I wonder if they see Ulf Samuelson as a head coach. I don't know. I don't think I don't just sort of th- talking it through with you just now. I don't think Cowden is a midseason move. No, I don't either. I think maybe you give Kevin Deneen if you do decide to move on from Joel Quenville here. Uh, and we're not saying this is imminent. We're not saying it's even going to happen. We're just speculating because it's been a hot topic all week. But yeah. if you do replace him midseason, I think it does make sense to bring in a veteran guy. Because here's my concern. If you have a team of uh, Patrick Kane and his teammates, but mostly Patrick Kane, is he going to listen? Is he going to respond to the coaching of a guy that's, you know, that's unproven, that doesn't have NHL experience? That sort of concerns me a little bit. Um, not saying that he's going to outright ignore the guy or be a problem in the locker room or anything like that. I just, if Joel Quenville can't get him going and he's not going right now, I don't know if you saw the tweet last night, by the way, by our, our guy Satchel uh, Price from Second City Hockey. Patrick Kane has one primary assist at five on five in the last month, three overall. That's Yeesh. not good enough. That's horrendous. And I called it early in the season, and last year, last week you brought it up again. Patrick Kane is not interested in playing much hockey right now. He looks disinterested. He doesn't look like he wants to play D. He'll go back there and play at lip service and swat at a puck hit now and again. But when Patrick Kane is focused and when Patrick Kane wants to play well, there's no one in the world better offensively than he is. He can single-handedly take the puck and say, I want to score right now and you can't do anything about it. I've not seen that from him. He has not found that second level. And when, you're in, when your team is slumping, like the Blackhawks are, that's the kind of guy you need to look to to pull you out of it. I know Jonathan Taze is taking some heat for not scoring, and it's well-deserved. I agree with you on that. He should be scoring more, and we've made excuses and excuses and excuses for him. Now it's a trend, right? It's been three years now before he scored regularly. But... Jonathan Taves, you know, is still giving you everything he's got defensively. He's winning faceoffs. He's doing all the other things he needs to do. When you're a one-dimensional player like Patrick Kane and that dimension goes away, you start to become, you know, a detriment to the team. He's the guy. It's, if someone's going to grab this team by the collar and pull them into competitiveness again, it's going to be Patrick Kane. They cannot do it without him. There's no way in hell. And I want to see him more motivated. And yeah. switching to a younger coach, I think you sort of risk losing him for the entire year mentally, let alone, you know, for however long the slump lasts. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to point this out that your argument sounds a hell of a lot like a reason to hire a Dave Tippett to me because Dave Tippett's not going to put up with any crap like that. He is a hard-nosed coach that coaches the hell out of players, and that's a guy that's going to really shake a team out of doldrums if you want to hire him. But and I wonder if, he, if – sorry to interrupt you, but I, I wonder if 
if you if Cowden is your guy, right, and you brought him in here to be the coach, if you let Deneen coach out the rest of the year, see evaluate him, see if he's good. If you like him, cool. But if you decide at the end of the year that he's not the guy, could you spend an off season where Kane and Cowden just are, are together nonstop and he sort of buys into the thing? I know it's a challenge. I know it's and again, I don't want to paint Patrick Kane as this like Terrell Owens type clubhouse cancer. He's not. But I think for a guy like him, it, it might be tough for him to accept instruction from a guy who's not proven. That that's my only concern. So I wonder if well, you what do, cha- do it. what changes that like is one year in the AHL really enough to dispel that notion then? Because that's what you're talking about here is a guy being in the AHL for one whole season and then you expect Patrick Kane to just like flip this flip the switch and listen to him just because he made the full year like that to me if you're worried that patrick kane's not going to pay attention to ahl man then dave Tippett makes a hell of a lot of sense and it's not like you're going to invest like long term in Tippett. if he ends up sucking then by all means dump him like they're not going to sign him to a five-year deal i don't think teams are banging down dave Tippett's door right now but i also know the reputation that he has in the nhl and the ability he's shown to get a team that's underachieved for a long time to push them to new heights and i feel like if you're really looking for kind of a hard ass to light a fire under patrick kane that's a place that i would consider looking i'm not dismissing that i want to be clear i think it's i i think it's it could definitely help for sure i'm not saying don't do that i'm just saying i wonder if i should have been more clear i just wonder if an off season gives you a little more of a chance for kane to accept him as opposed to coming in middle of the year, trying to introduce his new stuff, a young coach doing that in the middle of the year, that's tough. That's tough. So if they decide in this off season they want to make a change, I wonder if it would be easier to have that transition uh, in the off season versus middle of the year. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying don't hire Dave Tippett. I'm not even saying fire Joel Quenville, to be perfectly honest with uh, you. Yeah, none of us. I don't think either <laughs> of us are. We're just – We're speculating. It's, it, well, it's not in – it's not a completely off the wall thought right now, is it? I mean, this isn't like a couple of you know knee jerk hot takes. This is reading the tea leaves a little bit at a team that's badly underachieving and badly lacking. It seems like in effort or give a crapness. And what's the way that gets fixed? It's either trade players, which yeah, I can't do, or fire the coach, which you're entirely capable of doing. Yeah. And, and I don't see, I don't know, maybe it'll surprise me, but do you see any scenario in which it's Sam Bowman that goes instead of Quenville? I have thought about that. That is definitely not a midseason thing. That is definitely a late April, early May, you're making that decision because you want to have a guy in place by the NHL draft kind of thing. That is definitely not a midseason thing, and I think that, I would like to think that at this point, uh, Stan Bowman has earned the right to choose his guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's never really gotten that opportunity before. And so I feel like if he makes the hockey decision that he feels like they need a change at head coach, I feel like John McDonough and Rocky Wirtz, odds are they're going to give him a chance to hire his own guy. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I, I, I think that, yeah, I, I do feel like Bowman has the ear of McDonough, the ear of Rocky. And look, I, I like Sam Bowman. I've been called a Sam Bowman apologist before. I've been called a Quenville apologist before, too. But if I'm betting on it, if I'm laying down my, 
you know, daughter's college fund, which doesn't exist yet. But if I had one and I, <laughs> I was laying it down, I think I'd put it down on Sam Bowman. That would be, to me, a safer bet between the two of those guys. All right, let's take another quick timeout. Uh, then we're going to get your emails in a little while here. Uh, but before we do, got to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, family-owned and operated since 1933. Uh, and it shows. It's a place that is um, clearly managed by people that love it. It is uh, well-maintained. It is a beautiful building. The food is outstanding. You can tell that the family takes a lot of pride in Marishka's. And as a patron of Marishka's, I take a lot of pride in going there. It's a great place with really good food. I like to tell people about it because I know when they go there, they're going to have a good experience, whether it's the poor boy sandwich, whether it's the onion rings, the chops, the burgers, whatever, anything you order at Marishka's will be great. And if you're thirsty, they've got a great craft beer menu. They've got carryout. They've got banquet facilities for up to 110 people. So go visit Marishka's, 604 Theodore Street. Hit up marishkas.com or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marishka's. More to come. I'm Jay Zawoski with my partner James Naveau on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've had a lot of fun here today, kids. And frankly, I feel like we all could use just kind of a nice moment of reflection upon the past because jay i have a positive stat for you i've got something that is guaranteed to melt the icicles around your heart and to make you feel just a little bit better about where we are right now as blackhawks fans is it Pedro kane's one primary assist at five on five in the last you month see, that wouldn't make you feel better now would it i guess not no i can assure you this will make you feel better as of right now, as of this very moment that you're listening to this podcast, unless you're listening on Thursday, and why would you do that? The Blackhawks are 8-8-2 eight, eight, and two through their first 18 games. That is their second worst start under head coach Joel Quenville. Their worst start through 18 games was 8-9-1. and one. That occurred during the 2009-2010 season. And Jay... How did that season end? Stop yourself right now. Nope. No. <laughs> out of here. No. I you will are not high. stop myself. <laughs> no. No. You wanted positivity. You wanted to feel better. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Well done. Good job. Any, anyway. <laughs> yes, they won the cup that year. So I, what you're saying is this: the Blackhawks are definitely winning the Stanley Cup. Good. We got it on record from James Neveu. Brent Go to Vegas. will find the fountain <laughs> yeah. of youth, and Patrick Sharp will suddenly be relevant again, and Lance Bomo will land many punches upon many faces, and everything <laughs> will be hunky-dory. Yeah, and Dustin Bufflin's coming back, too. Yeah, underpriced <laughs> Dustin Bufflin, and Andrew Ladd, and Chris Versteeg, and Ben Eager, and Brent Sopel, and Adam Burrish, and Dave Bolin, and Colin Frazier. Since we're on this trivia thing, do you want to play a trivia thing about Al Secord real quick? Al's E-Cord. Yes. yes. Third most penalty minutes in Blackhawks history with 1,426. Who are the only two Blackhawks that had more? penalty minutes chris chelios yep and magnuson correct yeah you yes you have won nothing because... i won my own hockey card yeah <laughs> give yourself a hockey card make it a shitty one. Oh, Sorry. oh, oh. got Bleed breaking news out. breaking news bears make <gasps> roster moves 
I'm going to guess that they signed Tanner Gentry to their practice squad. Uh, yes. Yay! You are correct. The Chicago Bears signed the following practice squad players. Offensive lineman Travis Averill. Okay. Wide receiver Tanner Gentry. Cliff Averill. Hmm. Uh, well, they spell and pronounce their names differently, so I'm going to say no. And uh, say goodbye to your favorite. Uh, let's share our memories of wide receiver Darius Rogers. I Rest will in peace. remember you. <laughs> yeah, no, I will not, Darius. Go sign somewhere else and have a productive career, my friend. I will not mock you for not being good enough to be on the Bears practice squad. Speaking of the Bears, can I just point out how friggin' stupid it is that you had Trey McBride and Marcus Wheaton active for a game and they didn't play a single flipping snap? Dude, I can't talk. I'm done. It's a Bears Monday. I work at the score. I got no more Bears talk left in me. All right, we're we're deep into slapdick territory. Are you ready to do some emails? Seems like perfect timing to do it, so yes. Let's do it. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our delicious friends. Well, they're not, like, actually, never mind. The food's delicious at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien, visit chuckscafe.com to check out their specials, check out their menus, check out their locations, all that good stuff. But the Darien one, that's on Cass Avenue, just north of I-55. The one in Burbank, 79th and Natchez, my friend. You know where it is. It's on the south side. You may be familiar. Um, yeah, barbecue, Mexican, Cajun, uh, American, bar food, whatever you have a taste for, Chuck's has it. You know, you want some jambalaya. Chuck's has the best jambalaya I've ever had. And I've been in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. They've got great buffalo wings. They've got amazing uh, Mexican dishes that are there every day. The special, the Cochinita Pabil, that is their finest item. I think that's Chuck's signature dish. That's his favorite thing to make. That's the Saturday special. If you're going to Chuck's for the first time, I would recommend going on a Saturday Getting the coach Anita Pabil, it's outstanding. You will absolutely, positively love it. But everything in Chuck's is good, so check them out. Chuck'sCafe.com. Again, Burbank, Darien, Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe. We love them, and we'll love them forever. Amen. So our first email of the show comes from Jim Kane. Thanks for the email, Jim. He says, is there any data on the relative success of a forward line as that line spends more time together. Hmm, interesting. It would be interesting to see if Corsi, etc., improves on average for lines that have spent a certain amount of time together on the ice. If lines generally don't improve all that much from when they're put together, Q is justified with his line blender, but if lines tend to improve over time with consistency, he may want to give lines a longer look than one period or so. He says, I don't expect the second winningest coach in history to change his game, I just want to be mad about the right things. There you <laughs> go, Jim. We appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> it's a good question. That That's a big-time research project that I'm not qualified to do. James, the floor is yours. I'm certainly not qualified to do it either. I've, I'm sure that studies and visualizations have been done, but that is an absolutely fantastic idea, and I would read the crap out of that research. If they... Well, just, just logically, it makes sense that if you need to develop chemistry in a line – Having them together for one period is not going to do that. So I see, definitely, it makes sense. I just wonder if there's any evidence to back it up. That's a good question. I'm going to try to get it answered. Email here from Norik, Norik, Noah Cornick in Tacoma, Washington. Say that he says, four times fast. <laughs> he says, not a question, but a comment. Sorry if it's longer than what you prefer. He says, apathy has set in. I would rather play video games than watch a Hawks game. 
Watching Hawks games is not fun. It feels like homework. They don't entertain me. They just stress me out. They are now firmly stuck in the middle, which James has alluded to previously as being the worst position a team can put itself in. I'm in favor of a complete teardown and starting over from scratch. We got three cups out of this run, which is all you could have ever hoped for and more. They need to channel their inner Belichick and get cold-blooded, obtain young players and picks in return for all existing assets while there's still value, including Taves and Kane. I would adopt an everything-must-go attitude and crater for the next two or three years. I realize this is a fantasy and that McDonough would not and could not allow it to happen. The alternative is waiting for this version of the team to slowly come out of contracts and dwindle in insignificance like the Red Wings or Blues, trying to hold on to a meaningless playoff streak. Blow it up, get what you can, and rebuild from the ashes. It's the only way forward in a salary cap world. Damn! That is hot fire. I Man. love that. I, I'm not there yet. I'm not, Maybe it's the longtime fan of me that's like, I will never hate these guys. I never want to see them go. And I know that's the wrong way to think. I do. I think it's too early right now to completely nuke it. But if it's another first round exit this year, by all means, hit that button and start fresh. I, I, I'm not dismissing that anymore. I'm not. Yeah. You know the thing Noah nailed, by the way. The comparison to the Red Wings. And the arc, they, he nailed that they too. They absolutely, he nailed that arc, and he nailed what they did, which was clawing and holding on to Zetterberg and Dotsuk and all those guys well past their sell-by date, and now look where they are. They're irrelevant. They, they've got a brand new shiny building, but their precious playoff streak and their ability to be a cup contender year in, year out is gone because they didn't plan for the future and they waited way too long before they finally pulled the plug on everything good great email another great one here salsa shark he's got a hypothetical for us he says let's say you have a child and you need to pick a godparent the godparent would be someone who would be in charge of raising and developing that child if you were around if this is out of the following coaches who do you think would be the best to develop your kid? Oh, my God. <laughs> Joe Quenville, John Fox, or Dusty Baker? <laughs> I think it's Q without a doubt. I'm I think it's sure, Q by a mile. I'm pretty sure John Fox would poison the child inadvertently. And I just, after seeing what happened with Dusty Baker's son in that World Series game, yeah, I, I got to go with Joe Quenville, too. All right, another good one here. Mike from Greenfield, Wisconsin says, what's the better time to drink Jif? Hank Azaria filling his glass in Brockmire or Alec Baldwin filling his glass in 30 Rock? Asking for a friend who watches the Blackhawks. Thanks for tackling the big question. <laughs> Mike, that question is the greatest thing to ever come out of Greenfield, Wisconsin, ever. That's <laughs> probably true. <laughs> um, it is Alec Baldwin in 30 Rock. That's a great one. As I'm concerned. God, that gif is timeless. All right. Uh, Josh Micah, who has issue with you, sir, by the way, and he should. He says, just curious, with the Blackhawks currently sporting a hockey 500 record and finding themselves out of a playoff spot, are you aware of any or perceive any turmoil going on in the Blackhawks front office, especially with American Thanksgiving rapidly approaching? Thanks, and I look forward to finally getting my Patrick Kane autograph picture. Ah! Send a dude his picture, you jamoke. (laughs) <laughs> he won it nine years ago. I can't believe he still listens to the podcast. I'd have quit a long time ago if the host <laughs> was a douche like me. Yeah, well, well anyway, uh, 
I could I'm not aware of any, but I could definitely see it. John McDonough does not like to lose. And I don't think that uh anyone on the staff likes to lose, but if anyone's going to get an itchy finger, it's John McDonough. All right, you are correct on that. I have not heard any sort of uh talk of turmoil either other than obviously the usual rumblings that we always hear about power struggle between the two of them and they're never substantiated um send me his address i will literally i will send it tomorrow shut up i will send it tomorrow i will literally box it up and send it tomorrow Uh okay we'll see uh last email of the show comes from joe cromwell he says what is wrong with taves that's a hell of a question we don't know he says if el gato for those of you that don't habla espanol el gato is the cat hadn't scored would he have been swiped for Vinny in rockford Ah! (laughs) no still surprised Vinny started down and the cat started in chicago something changed from the last few seasons how young players were treated thanks joe uh no, uh, DeBrincat is better than Hinnestroza. He's better than him now. He will be better than him when his career's over. That, to me, is out of the question. The Hinnestroza thing we addressed very early, and I'm all for it. Give the kid a look. Call him up. See what he's got. Make some moves. It might be time to make some moves for move's sake, and he's the guy I want to see up here to do it. Bingo. All right. Well, that's going to do it. That was a fun uh, for what you know what it could have been. I think we had some fun tonight. I appreciate the uh, great emails. We need to pick a winner, by the way. Who's our email winner? All of them. No, we can't do that. I loved all of them, though. They were, they all, were all great. For the second week in a row, our emailers are bringing the heat, dude. And I... Very- all right, let's keep this in mind. Noah, who sent the hot fire email, is great, but he's from Tacoma, Washington. So he well, will not get chucks. It's a good thing that I did not pick Noah even though I love Noah's question and he really brought a lot of intensity. He's got the card. I actually picked Jim Kane. I thought that his uh, question about hockey metrics was legitimately like, why has no one like done this and made it public? Like definitely was a mind bender and I loved it. So I'm going with him. Okay. Here are the cards. Noah gets a upper deck. Matthew Schneider card, while Jim Kane gets a pro set, Stefan Richer. Two good players. Yeah. Two good players for two good emails. Jim, send us your address. We'll send you the card to the card and the gift card for Chuck's free breakfast. We thank Chuck's for sponsoring the email segment and the podcast. And we also thank our friends at Marishka's and Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. And Triple Threat Sports for all your team outfitting needs. Call Chris at 708-478-6090. And if you're in the market for some tickets, you got a show sold out, a game sold out you want to go to, go to SeatGiant.com. Check out their selection there. And uh, if you do, when you check out, enter promo code MADHOUSE to save some money. And it also helps the podcast at the same time. And speaking of helping the podcast, Patreon.com slash MADHOUSEPOD or GoFundMe.com slash MADHOUSEPOD. Every penny helps us put on these shows, put on these podcasts, get the equipment we need, etc. So we do appreciate it. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll be back sooner than later with another edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Until then, enjoy your week, and we will talk to you soon. What you doing? Designing my new 2021 Nissan Kicks Online in the Kicks Color Studio. I give each a special name. This one's electric blue, orange, red, white. I call it the gumball machine. You think it's me? I feel like you're more of a red velvet guy. 
limitless possibilities. With over 100 million available color combinations and Bose Personal Plus system in the boldly new 2021 Nissan Kicks. Bose is the registered trademark of the Bose Corporation. Color combinations include interior and exterior colors. Customization is an available feature subject to availability at participating Nissan dealer. See dealer for details. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile. Empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com.